We, um, we're very grateful to live in a wonderful nation that uh, has blessed us with the opportunity to be able to gather as we please and worship our Father as we understand the truth to be. Today, we are following up with last week's lesson. Uh, in last week's lesson, we talked about the, uh, the, the building of the temple by Solomon and how for that young man it was an intimidating task. And he was young and inexperienced and just the task of building a house for God must have just been an overwhelming thought. And we encouraged people, just as David encouraged his son, to be strong and courageous and act. For God wants to build us into his temple, his house. And that is an intimidating task. So please be strong and courageous and act. So Solomon built that temple. Uh, following kings would sometimes do right, and they would honor and live, live according to the ways of God, and they would honor the temple, and sometimes they would not. In Second Chronicles, if you'll please turn there with me, chapter 28, in verses 24 and 25, we're going to read about a king who did not honor the temple. Second Chronicles 28, verses 24 and 25 reads, Moreover, when Ahaz gathered together the utensils of the house of God, he cut the utensils of the house of God in pieces, and he closed the doors of the house of the Lord and made altars for himself in every corner of Jerusalem. In every city of Judah, he made high places to burn incense to other gods and provoked the Lord, the God of his fathers, to anger. Oh boy, first thought of the day is let us not be like that. Let us never close the doors. Let us not desecrate the temple like he did. God has made us into a temple and we need to act accordingly. Let us never grieve the Holy Spirit that resides in us. His home is within us. Well, that was King Ahaz. We're going to find out that King Ahaz, he, as all men do, he goes his way. And his son, Hezekiah, became king in his place. This is the passage that was read to us. Verse number one, Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old. Um, I think, I don't remember the age of Solomon, but he was a little bit older like this also when he became king. Um, so you think of Hezekiah, he was young and inexperienced too, right? 25 years old, he ends up reigning 29 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all his father had done. Notice verse number three. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. What an amazing thought. 
This 25-year-old, I I wonder what he thought of his dad. I wonder if he was just anxiously awaiting for the moment when he would have the opportunity to open the doors again. All the time that he was growing up, did he look at his father and, and just see how he despised the name of God and the house of God. And so he was ready Immediately, as soon as he had this opportunity to act, he was strong and courageous and acted. He saw what was wrong, and he was prepared and ready to do what was right. He began the work immediately. He saw what was wrong, and he, he didn't have time to start playing politics he didn't have time to, uh, to think about other things or, or getting his home ready, whatever might have other kings may have done. He went to work immediately. And we see that he went to work quickly. We're going to see the time frame as we go on through here. You can look, glance in your outline on down in verse number 17. 16 days is what it takes to finish this work. Oh, King Hezekiah, thank you so much for being strong and courageous and acting, doing what needed to be done. Verses 4 and 5. He brought in the priest and the Levites and gathered them into the square on the east. He brings in the guys who should have been doing All along what they were supposed to do and they were not. So he brings in the priests and the Levites. Verse 5, he said to them, Listen to me, O Levites. Consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the house of the Lord, the Lord, the God of your fathers. And carry the uncleanness out from the holy place. For our fathers have been unfaithful and have done evil in the sight of the Lord and have forsaken him and turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord And have turned their backs. There was a problem. Hezekiah ached in his heart. For what needed to be fixed. He knew what was wrong and he was going to fix it. He goes to work immediately and he calls in the priest. He calls in the Levites. And he tells them three things basically. Consecrate yourselves, consecrate the house of the Lord, carry the uncleanness out from the holy place. That idea of consecrate, it's just make it holy, make it right, make it what God has intended it to be. Anything impure and unholy that is there, remove it. Get the place clean. And I think even in a sense, probably the physical Cleanliness is probably something they need to do address too. And what uncleanness was in there that might needed to be removed? Certainly there were some irreligious things. Some perhaps some idols had been put in there before the doors were, had been closed. And perhaps the temple is even treated just as a storage place. Who knows what they were doing? It doesn't say what Ahaz had done as far as what he had done to the temple, other than he uh, cut up the utensils, destroyed them, and he shut the doors. And Hezekiah says, fix this. Get things right. Make this place holy 
again. The holy place. Skipping down to verse number 11, Hezekiah is still speaking here. And I just quote the verse on the outline. My sons, do not neglect now, do, excuse me, do not be negligent now. For the Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to minister to him and to be his ministers and burn incense. He's chosen you. Take a stand. And, and, and if you remember, this, is, this lesson is really a repeat of when we looked at uh, the, the building, or excuse me, what Hezekiah had done when we studied him back in the Kings. The lesson there was to stand in the covenant. Take a stand in the covenant. He's telling them, you got to take a stand for before God. Be who He called you to be. Minister to Him. Be His ministers. That idea of burn incense, it sounds, you know, to us it's so foreign to imagine a, a part of worship is that there is burning incense and the, a fragrant, fragrant aroma is going up before the Lord. And, and the Lord enjoys that. You know, it's, that's a strange concept for us, but it has... It was a foreshadowing of what is now for us in this new covenant. We'll talk about that in a bit. But don't be negligent. Don't be negligent. Verses 15 and 16. After mentioning all of the Levites by names, verse 15 says, They assembled their brothers. This is speaking of the Levites. They assembled their brothers, consecrated themselves... So they purified themselves, made themselves holy, and went to cleanse the house of the Lord according to the commandment of the king by the words of the Lord. So the priest went in to the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it. And every unclean thing which they found in the temple of the Lord, they brought out to the court of the house of the Lord, then the Levites carried it out, received it to carry out to the Kidron Valley. So some thoughts here. First of all, they followed the instruction that Hezekiah had given them by the word of the Lord. The, word has, the words that Hezekiah had spoken are attributed to God. So they followed those instructions. Every th unclean thing was brought out of the temple. After they open the doors, they bring all the unclean junk out. They bring it out in front of the temple in the courtyard. And then the Levites take over. And so they're going to cart it out away from the temple. And they're going to take it. The, the temple faced to the east. The doors of the temple faced to the east. And, and if you followed out, there was a great wall then that separated uh, uh, the, the courtyard uh, from a great valley down below. That was the Kidron Valley. If they'd been able to, if they'd been strong enough to take the stuff out and heave it over this giant wall, they would have done it that way. And it would have hit the, hit the valley, would have tumbled down and ended up in the brook of Kidron. This wadi is where they took the stuff. 
It doesn't say they threw the stuff. I'm just saying if they were able to do that, it would have been pretty easy. But they carted the stuff down there and took it out to the Kidron Valley. They took it down there to get rid of it. Some verses about the Kidron Valley that are mentioned here. Second Chronicles 15, verse 16, an earlier passage where there was another king who was following after a wicked king. In 2 Chronicles 15, 16, it's talking about King Asa. And King Asa, he cut down a horrid image of an Asherah. So Asherah was this, uh, this female goddess that was worshipped all throughout that land of Palestine. She was a pagan god, a wicked god. And um, you might find spots where it talks about Asherah poles. And so those were just another wicked, evil, pagan god. And that was taken down by King Asa. And this one is mentioned as a horrid image. Probably sexually such. It was a horrid image. And he took it down, and the scripture indicates that he burned burned it. He crushed it. He crushed it to pieces and burned it at the brook Kidron. So that was King Asa. And that was before Hezekiah's time. Well, after Hezekiah's time, so Hezekiah, he has the stuff taken and it goes down and is destroyed at uh, the Kidron Valley. Um, but later on, you might mention, remember another good king that comes along. King Josiah, this young king who 18 years into his kingship, he decides to clean things up a little bit and he finds the book of the law and they find out what they had been doing long, wrong for so long. And King Josiah in 2 Kings 23, verses 6 and in verse 12, there are two references to the Kidron Valley. And in those passages... The images of Asherah and also the altar to the pagan gods were broken down and burned in the Kidron Valley. So the Kidron Valley is associated with a place where unclean things, corrupt things, ungodly things are taken and destroyed. When Israel needed to clean up her act... She would take the unclean things, the things that got in the way of God, and would empty them out, destroy them at the Kidron Valley, burn them, and let the ashes there remain. So I asked the question, why were things taken there? Well, the obvious answer, the simple answer, is just to say they were taken there to be destroyed. They were taken there to be removed. I'd ask you to consider that also in this passage where we are beginning with the Hezekiah in Second Chronicles 29, verse number 16. This idea of the Kidron Valley is also, it could be called the Kidron Wadi. It is a valley just as all valleys in that place, uh, in that land, would be anytime there is going to be rain, it is going to, the, the waters will rise quickly and fill that wadi quickly to a dangerous level. You don't want to be caught down in that valley because it will wipe you away with it. But a wadi is going to, when it rains, the waters will rush through and destroy anything in its path. So as I think about these things that were taken down 
to the wadi. They weren't going to be burned there in an ash heap of remains where people always be able to, oh, look at all that junk we burned up. The ashes were going to be washed away. They're going to be taken away. They're going to be forgotten. God gets rid of it. But the Levites and the priests had to do their part first of taking the junk out of the temple, taking it down there, burning it, and then the rain will come and wash and cleanse the land of all those evil things. Verse 17. Now they began the consecration on the first day of the first month. And on the eighth day of the month, they entered the porch of the Lord. Then they consecrated the house of the Lord in eight days and finished on the sixteenth day of the first month. The writer here has given great attention and detail to the timing of this. Eight days to consecrate themselves, eight days then to consecrate the temple. Sixteen days. And this was all in the first year of his reign in the first month. Hezekiah has wasted no time. He has called the people to be strong and courageous and act. Words from a different passage, but I think they apply. And they have done so, and they have acted immediately and quickly to bring about this change. Verse number 19, I know I'm skipping some wonderful verses here, but verse 19 says, Moreover, all the utensils which King Ahaz had discarded during his reign in his unfaithfulness, we have prepared and consecrated. And behold, they are before the altar of the Lord. So the things from the temple that had been removed by Ahaz and destroyed, those things were no longer there, and they had to replace them. They removed all of the evil things from the, the Asherahs and whatever other junk might have been there, and now they have replaced the emptiness with the proper utensils, the consecrated utensils for God's work. They did that. 16 days. 16 days. That brings a smile to my face. I know you can't see it, but it's there. 16 days, they fixed everything. They did what they were supposed to do. And we're going to see that God is so very pleased with them. So when the work is finished, you can re keep reading in chapter 28, verses 20 through 34. Since the work is done, these leaders, the Levites and the priests, Hezekiah and probably all the leaders of Jerusalem, they, they begin worshiping God with sacrifices, with praise, everybody fulfilling their role to do what they need to do in the, in the presence of the temple to worship God. And it's a beautiful Wonderful thing. And I think perhaps this is probably the time that, that Hezekiah, he makes his speech about standing in the covenant. And all the people said, Amen. You remember as a church, we said, Amen. We agreed. We want to stand in our covenant that we made with Jesus when we are immersed into him. So they did all the sacrifice and praise. And it was a glorious, wonderful day. Now verse 35 there were also many burnt offerings with the fat of the peace offerings and with the libations for the burnt offerings. Thus the service of the house of the Lord was established again. 
Then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced over what God had prepared for the people. Because the thing came about suddenly. They rejoiced over this change. You know, it was six, 16 days earlier, the, the, the temple was closed up and they were worshiping idols, worthless pieces of junk. And now they have opened up the temple and all the people are praising God and worshiping Him. And they are rejoicing in this experience. They're rejoicing in what God had prepared for them. They were experiencing things as they ought to be as they followed the commands of the Lord and the directions and statutes of the Lord. And it was a thing that came about suddenly. It happened so quickly, but they were so glad. Good things can happen, can't they? Bad things and bad times don't have to last forever. Things can change. Things can get better. So long as we were, are following the ways of the Lord our God. The application to us to consider is, are you missing out on what God has prepared for you? Imagine if they had let the temple just... Doors closed. (coughs) Junk inside. Holding on to their idols, worshiping on the high places and going to other places and just not caring about God and maybe giving lip service to Him from time to time and worshiping Him along with all the other things that they did. Worshiping the vain things along with the one true God and lowering God to the, to the level of a piece of wood. Imagine what they would have missed out if they had just continued in those ways. But God had something better in store for them. Then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced over what God had prepared for the people. God's got something prepared for you and for me. God has something prepared for us. Let us be strong and courageous and act. I'm going long now, I know. So much for these 15-minute sermons with the coronavirus. The strange thing about this modern day is that we are developing a fear of missing out. FOMO, you ever heard of FOMO? Fear of missing out, especially with our young people. they got to stay on the phone because they might miss something that Somebody post on there something great. Everybody's going to know about it except me. I'm going to miss out. So because of the fear of missing out, we take our eyes off of God and we put our eyes on gadgets and devices and on other things. And what we really miss out on is what God had designed for us, what God had prepared for us. Are you missing out 
on what God has prepared for you. Next question, will you remove the unclean things in your life that need to be carried out to the Kidron Valley, the junk that's in your life that needs the heave-ho and tossed over the wall and to fall down the, the valley, burn it there and let God wash it away. Sin is a terrible thing. We need to remove the sins from our lives, the unclean things from our lives, and any of the other junk that is in our lives that just takes our eyes off of Jesus and we get ourselves distracted with all the other things going on. Are we more interested in politics right now than we are in learning the ways of Jesus? Don't let that junk distract you. Will you remove the unclean things? Will you stay focused on Christ? (coughs) Will you replace the unclean things with the holy things? That's what they did with the temple. The holy things had been desecrated, had been messed up and destroyed, and so they brought the new things in, the right things. Will you replace the stuff that you're getting rid of with the goodness of Christ in your life, doing what He calls you to do, studying His Word and growing in Him and being courageous to to share the message of Jesus with others. Luke 14, 24 through 26. Jesus, in talking about the demons, He he says that, hey, sometimes you cast one demon out and He goes and roams around and then He finds some others and comes back and finds that He comes back again. And he finds the, his home, his heart, that person, all swept and clean and ready for a better home. We can't allow that to happen. When we get rid of the junk, we've got to fill it with good things and not allow Satan another place to roam. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. Ephesians 4, 22. That in the reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted, made unclean, in accordance with the lust of deceit. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God and has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So we get rid of the corruption, we put on the new self, this new self that's created in the image of God. Will you replace the unclean things with the holy things? Next point about the application is that this change that God has prepared for you takes place suddenly at baptism. When you give your life to Him, when you surrender to Him, He does a wonderful change and a sudden change. In a moment, He changes you. He washes away your sins. And makes you clean and you put on Christ. Galatians 3.27 says, For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. You have put on Christ. It happens at baptism. So the change can come about quickly. And if there's anybody today who needs that change, you want to be clothed in Christ, there is a sudden change that can happen. Give your life to Jesus. Be baptized into Him to live for Him forever. So that change takes place suddenly, but I do want to remind you that it takes a lifetime for complete transformation. 
lifetime of growth and maturing. 2 Corinthians 3.18 mentions you are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. God is at work in you, and He will change you if you will let Him. 1 John 3.2 indicates that at the moment, at the end of time, when we shall look and see Jesus, that we will be like Him. We will be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. So, I look back to my baptism, and I'm, I'm so thankful what God did at that moment, aren't you? Isn't it a wonderful, glorious thing, what Jesus did for you when you were held your breath and what got dunked underwater? That's all you did. You held your breath, and somebody dunked you underwater and lifted you back up. But Jesus, God, the Spirit, did a wonderful, marvelous work, and we rejoice in that sudden transformation. But we're also aware now that sometimes getting rid of the sins in our life, it's a constant work, constant growth, and we're constantly relying upon the grace of God, and we're constantly saying, all right, God, I need to repent. I need to throw this junk out into the kid run. I need to carry that junk out to the kid run valley and get rid of it. So don't give up on that transformation process. Keep growing. That's the encouragement as the, as the temple of God, each one of us here being the temple of God. Let God keep working in your life. Are you being the minister? The last question. Are you being the minister, the servant, that God calls you to be? Are you be or are you being negligent? The people in Hezekiah's Field of speaking. As he spoke to the Levites and the priest, he said, don't be negligent. You need to consecrate yourselves. You need to consecrate the house of the Lord. You need to carry the uncleanness out from the holy place. Get right with God. Consider 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 2. Verses 14 through 16. I, I, I want to get this verse because it is so relevant to our vision of who we want to be. Because in that passage where God talks, where Hezekiah talks to them, he says at the, the last part, he talked to them about that um, burn incense, make a sweet aroma to God. Verse 14 of 2 Corinthians 2, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Let us be the fragrance of Christ. Some people won't like it. They won't like the smell of us being Christians and being the temple of God and being the fragrant aroma of Christ. They won't like it, but some of us will. And we love to be in the presence of one another. And some people will see that and smell that fragrance from you and desire to have the same thing. Be that kind of minister. Be what call, God calls you to be. The challenge is this, is as your mind and your heart is stirred today by the word of God, my sons, do not be negligent, 
now. My daughters, do not be negligent now. For the Lord has chosen you to stand before Him, to minister to Him, and to be His ministers, and to be the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. Don't be negligent. Be strong and courageous and act. I will tell you again all that if you're here and you need to respond, you can come. If you're at home listening somewhere some other time, call me, get a hold of me, and we will discuss Christ in your life so that you can be baptized and be clothed in him. But if anybody else needs the prayers of the church, please come today as we stand and sing this song of encouragement.